Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The enemy is you. This has been Jarofsky Show. Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Friday, January 22nd, 2001. 2021. Man, I had a look at the calendar to even get it right. Uh, and as we always do, just give you a check of what's in the news of the day. I'm going to read a headline uh, in the Chicago Tribune, home delivered today. And here's the headline. And it's very apropos to the conversation I'm about to have. Well, at least with the person I'm about to have the conversation with. Chicago looks to next phase of vaccinations. Yes, vaccines very much in everybody's mind in the city of Chicago. We're we going to be uh, done with this uh pandemic where we're going to have be able to open up the schools these are all some of the issues that uh, we've been talking a lot about on the ben Jarofsky show we're not going to be really talking about those issues so much but the person we're talking about uh, we've been talking to has written about them and so uh, as i always do with distinguished guests on my show i ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself so distinguished guest take it away well, I'm Greg Pratt with the Chicago Tribune. I cover Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I guess I'm distinguished now that I'm starting to get a couple gray hairs from covering COVID and civil unrest. So thank you for that introduction. Uh, he's very distinguished, ladies and gentlemen. I can't see a gray hair anywhere in his head. Uh, he's like 50 years younger than I am. So uh, you're distinguished, uh, uh, Greg, for uh, several reasons, and the main reason uh, you're distinguished is the reason we're going to have you on the show, uh, and you're that means you're the president of the Tribune's Guild, the Chicago Tribune, and uh, you're also a city hall reporter. I promised our listeners I'd ask a question or two about that moment. Uh, I guess kind of been about three weeks ago. Uh, where you and Lori Lightfoot had it out. And Lori Lightfoot apologized to you, so let's give her a little credit for that. Uh, folks probably want to hear your account of what went down and how uh, great it is to, to get an apology from a public official. But I really want to talk to you about continuing our conversation uh, with presidents of the Tribune Guild, um, Charlie Johnson, and uh, Mary Wisniewski have been on the show. Evan Brandt, he's not with the Tribune, but he's a uh, he works for a newspaper in Pennsylvania that's owned by Alden uh, Global Capital. So we've had a lot of conversations uh, with a lot of journalists, uh, Gregory, about um, Alden and the impact they're having on journalism. Let's start at the top with you in the Tribune. Uh, talk a little bit about the organizing efforts at the Tribune. It's a relatively new thing uh, for the Chicago Tribune to be organized on the editorial side. Go ahead. Well, it's pretty remarkable. A few years ago, we decided that we weren't going to wait for scraps and we weren't going to wait for corporates to start doing the right thing. And we were going to unionize so that we could try and build a better future for our newsroom. We had a lot of people who were underpaid and who were being mistreated by the uh, 
by the company. And so we decided to organize, which probably caused Colonel McCormick to roll over in his grave. And it's actually pretty remarkable to me that it took this long. I remember there was a, there was a serious editor who had a serious position of power. And when we, when we first unionized, we um, showed up and when we went public, you know, we, we dropped off flyers on every desk in the newsroom, including management, just letting them know, Hey, we're a union. Now we're going to, we're going to unionize. And this boss looks at me and they say, what took you so long? which I thought was pretty funny, you know, and I don't want to get that boss in uh, trouble, although they're not there yet and they're not there anymore, but I, you know, I don't want to embarrass them, but, but it was true because the Tribune used to pay people really well and it used to treat people pretty well once you were in the door. And that hasn't been true for at least 13 years. So, you know, it was, it was about time and we had a bunch of scrappy people who, we're willing to try and uh, take it into our hands. Now, Greg, uh, we went through a similar thing with the reader. Uh, it was uh, in the old days when the original owners of the reader, very close uh, to the writers and the editorial staff, it was, it was uh, more or less like a family, uh, a working family. So the notion of unionizing was foreign and alien. Uh, after a few ownership changes and lots of layoffs, uh, the reality set in that uh, we had to move in a new direction and had uh, to organize. And so a lot of uh, of the reporters, the journalists at the, the reader went through this like soul searching uh, process, Greg, where they were like, should I join a union? Uh, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm supposed to be quote unquote objective. Will that uh, brand me in one way or another? Did you go through similar soul searching and questioning before you made the decision uh, to, to go with the union? So, and, and, you know, it's, it's not about politics. It's not about being pro or anti-union, but I wish I worked at a newsroom where uh, union wasn't necessary because they were doing the right thing. So no, actually not a whole lot of trepidation there. I did give some thought to, um, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think that I would go easy on um, some of the political unions that we cover, which I would certainly not. It's, it's not about that. Actually, uh, a few years ago, I had a podcast called Byline Confidential where I would interview journalists. And I interviewed a guy named John Tevlin, who was the star columnist at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And John had told me about how he was involved with his journalism union before he was a columnist. And um, people would ask him sometimes, how can you cover business or how can you cover labor? How can you do X, Y, and Z as a member of a union? Aren't you biased? And he's like, well, why don't you ask the people who aren't part of a union, you know, if they're biased? Cause it's, it's not, um, it's kind of a silly point. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I once had somebody from uh, USCIS, the, the immigration agency that's not ICE, who also had done work for ICE. Uh, they found out I was Mexican American and had worked for OI. And they said, can you really cover immigration objectively? And I'm like, you know, what kind of racist, uh, dumbass question is that, you know, and, uh, in that case. And so, um, and you know, we, we had a nice little conversation. I don't think I called them a dumbass. Uh, and we, um, moved on from there, but it was, um, I do, I do know we had members who wanted to be clear, you know, and we, we are careful about, we're not, um, you know, we're not, the fact that we have a union just makes us like so many, 
um, workplaces in America. It doesn't make you uh, politically biased, but, but I did have concerns about that. And I did have some sadness about, I wish that I worked at a place where that wasn't necessary because, um, there, there's a rich tradition in newsrooms, uh, of, you know, Hey, we don't have to unionize cause we're being taken care of. Well, I don't know how rich that tradition is. It has been a long time since it was a reality. So I don't even know if we can call it. Greg, virtually every newspaper I can think of off the top of my head uh, is is undergoing uh, some kind of, if there are already a union of editorial, an editorial, it's in the process of uh, being one. And um, so what has changed at the Tribune? I've asked this question of every uh, tribute person that's come on. Uh, Eric Zorn, shout out to Eric Zorn, came on the show, talked about unionizing as well. Um, what has changed at the Tribune that makes it so important uh, for an editorial to have a union? Well, the first and foremost and most imminently is the fact that we now have a majority corporate shareholder that I think is the devil. I think if you look in the dictionary, it says that they are the devil. Uh, Alden Global Capital is a hedge fund. And again, it's not a criticism of all hedge funds. It's not a criticism of rich people. It's a criticism of Alden, which has a track record of gutting newspapers and they buy papers and they wring them like a towel and they try to take every bit of profit out of them and hope that people don't notice as they slash costs. We just had a round of buyouts. We just, uh, they just announced that they're going to move us out of our newsroom. So we're effectively not going to have a newsroom. We're going to have a sort of newsroom at the freedom center, which is where we print the papers, but that's, that's, it's really a fig leaf. And, uh, and they're going to save some money there. They've also saved money by being, um, by allegedly uh, being deadbeats on the rent, you know, they they're being sued by your friend Sterling Bay uh, for about five million dollars and unpaid rent, which I'm not saying feel bad for Sterling Bay. But um, uh, I am saying, you know, um, you know, it is it is unfortunate to see a company shirk its responsibilities. Talk uh, about the buy. Talk about the. By the way, my friend Sterling Bay. Uh, very subtle uh, way of saying that Sterling Bay is a recipient of a huge TIF handout. But uh, Greg and I are going to uh, withstand our uh, just the lure to have a TIF conversation. We'll just move right on to the buyout. A question I have to ask you: Talk about some of the great journalists who took the buyout and will no longer be writing on a regular basis for the Tribune. Well, we're losing about 200, we lost about 200 years of experience, including Pulitzer Prize winners like Blair Kamen, who writes about architecture and who is a civic watchdog. We are losing um, a breaking news editor, Dan Har, who shaped probably uh, three-fourths of the people working at the Sun-Times and the Tribune, probably more. Um, We're losing a lot of really good, talented people who have um, a lot to offer, but who, um, you know, don't necessarily think it's time to not take a buyout, you know, and you are happy for people taking a buyout because it means that they get to leave at least somewhat voluntarily, at least somewhat on their terms. Um, You know, it's not like they're being booted out with a box, but uh, it's sad because I'm not sure how many of those people would, would be leaving if they didn't think that they, 
um, you know, if they saw a better future ahead. And then there's there's concerns about, you know, is the Tribune going to replace a Blair Cayman and have an architecture critic? Because there are a lot of hacks out there who will be happy to put up uh, – piece of crap buildings and nobody's actually paying attention that can, that can uh, scrutinize them. And so, so, you know, I have concerns about that, you know, in, in a healthy place, if people retire or leave, you replace them. Uh, the Tribune is not that healthy place and it's really unfortunate. Uh, one such hack, and this is me talking, not Greg Pratt, so don't hold him accountable for this. One such hack would be Donald John Trump, uh, who got into a, a squabble with Blair Cayman uh, that really sort of foreshadowed everything that was wrong with Donald John Trump and everything that was right about Blair Cayman. And I, of course, was rooting him on uh, from the sidelines. Uh, it had to do with Trump Tower when Blair Cayman dared to uh, criticize uh, Trump's tower. Uh, so, yes, you're absolutely correct. Without Blair Kamen's voice, uh, the landscape of Chicago, uh, Greg, will go unmentioned. You follow what I'm saying? There will be no evaluation of what architects do. And they that's a chunk of our landscape. So, yes, it is a loss. Uh, has, the, has the newspaper made any indication as to whether they'll hire somebody to do architectural criticism? Uh, not that I'm aware of, and Blair has in his public comments that he doesn't know either, which is probably not a great great sign. Um, but we will continue to advocate for uh, our readers and our city and our coverage. Now, the last time uh, Charlie and Mary were on the show uh, talking about uh, negotiations, they were in the midst of trying to negotiate a contract. Uh, what's the status of those negotiations with uh, all those representatives right now? Well, you know, the, the uh, contract is still a work in progress. We still have a lot of issues to work through. Uh, we still haven't got some money. You know, there are... Uh, a lot of other important issues. We want to make sure that they don't scab out the newsroom. We want to make sure that, that journalists have certain workplace protections. Um, one of the, some of it got sidetracked last year when, um, and this really illustrates the importance of a union. They came to us at the start of COVID last April, might've been May. I think it was April to say that they wanted to, um, they wanted us to agree to permanent pay cuts and to agree that they have the right to furlough the arts and sports sections for, for like 14 weeks, which is about, you know, a third of, uh, of the year, um, maybe a fourth, uh, you know, a, a huge chunk of money for our workers. And we stood our ground and we said, absolutely not. You know, if, if there are, if there are cuts to be shared, uh, if there, if there is a problem and we need to, and we're being asked to contribute, we'll figure out a way to do it. We probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be doing that because you have a lot of money in the bank and you're doing a lot of other stuff where you could save money by not being greedy. Uh, but, but fine, we, we can, we can negotiate on some voluntary cuts. And I think we were the only guild at Tribune Publishing that did not have a permanent pay cut uh, foist upon them. Uh, you know, we made the point that's that's something for for the main contract. If you want to negotiate that, if you want to talk about permanent, we can do that. But we we ended up agreeing to three weeks of furloughs, which sucked, uh, both because of the financial hit and because uh, it came at a time of immense civic importance. Right. There was 
civil unrest at the time. You know, I came back just in time to cover um, the first time Chicago caught fire last year. Uh, we missed, um, there was just so much happening in 2020 that the company should not have been furloughing anyone for even a single day. And so um, that was really unfortunate and it foreshadowed how craven all the global capital is. Uh, but it also showed the strength of, of being able to push back collectively. You mentioned something. You don't want them to scab out the newsroom. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't want them to hire you to come in and come <laughs> to city hall for us, which I know you're dying to do. You know, I know that. Uh, uh, you that's know. pretty funny. Greg. No, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, much as I like you, I would not like, I want them to hire you because, uh, you know, outside of our newsroom, right outside of our union, uh, you know, they can, they can hire you all they want, but no, uh, I don't, we don't want them to, um, we don't want them to decide that everything can be a wire story or that they can agree to take another newspaper's, uh, content for free. And, you know, cause smaller publications might be happy to have their work published in the Tribune for free cause it's a bigger audience. So there's, there's just, there's, um, you know, a contract is a complicated thing and, and there's a lot that goes into it that you need to pay attention to. And it's not just money. Although obviously when we get to money, money will be important. Mm. Uh, and life without a newsroom, uh, man, that, that, uh, I, I'm just trying to, uh, imagine this, uh, Greg, I remember when I first came to Chicago, when I first moved to Chicago, it's like significant chunks of downtown real estate were owned and dedicated to newspapers. Uh, and then I watched this, the retreat, you know, the Sun Times Daily News building became Trump Tower. Uh, this Daily News went out of business. The Sun Times just kept moving further and further away uh, from the central business district. The Tribune moved out of Tribune Tower. And, uh, and now there's not going to be a newsroom when this pandemic is over. Is that correct? I think, um, I think it's basically correct. You know, we will have some place where what they, where we can do what they call hoteling, which is you can tell them, Hey, I want to come in and, and take a desk, but that's not a newsroom and you can call it a, you can try to call it a newsroom, but that's not a newsroom. And, uh, the impact, what will that, the impact be on, uh, on journalism? Well, I think, you know, one of the important things is you can go over to a colleague and ask them for their advice or ask them about a problem you're having or a dispute with a government agency or with a public official or say, hey, you know, this this thing happened and I'm curious about it. And there's there's you know, journalism is a social business where we are talking to people about things that are good and things that are bad and things that are goofy and things that are sweet and heartbreaking and sad. And we talk to each other to learn about how to handle things. And it's, um, it really does hurt journalism. It hurts the citizens of Chicago. It hurts the citizens of Illinois to not, to, to limit that in any way. Yeah. And it's just a, the visual uh, Greg, the visual of a newsroom, it, it just strikes at like a certain power of the press. Now, that's funny coming from me because I've always worked. The reader never had a newsroom, so we've always been. It's like you. We, we've always been uh, scattered. <laughs> just the thought of me going uh, to, to one place on a regular basis uh, is bizarre. But I still like 
the idea of a classic newsroom. I, I feel as though that is what makes like a Tribune, the Tribune of the New York Times and the New York Times and so on and so forth. Well, you know, you guys at The Reader are outlaws. And, uh, you know, um, the small personal story is I'm, a, you know, I got into journalism in no small part because I was a John Conroy fan growing up. And, uh, you know, I remember reading his stuff in high school and I thought to myself, you know, that guy, this guy must be some wild young punk who's out there running, uh, doing all these stories and telling truth to power. And then I met him and I'm like, wow, you know, he could be an FBI agent. What's he <laughs> working for the reader? And he's uh, an incredible man and an incredible journalist. But uh, I have a lot of respect for the reader. That was unsolicited. I swear to God, I did not tell Greg Pratt before this. All right, here's what you're going to say. When I mention the reader, you say something nice about Conroy. By the way, Conroy does look kind of like an FBI agent. He's got just sort of, the, you know what I mean? Like you could see John Conroy's look on a, on a TV show, FBI guy. All right, so where do you think it's going uh, at the Tribune, Greg? If you, uh, do you think you'll reach an agreement? Do you have a contract? Uh, do you think Alden will just sell it? I mean, what's your sense of where it's all heading? Well, on the good days, I hope that somebody will come in and buy the Tribune and rescue it. I think that that is the best case scenario. On bad days, I worry that Alden will own it for 10 years and gut it, which I think if Alden owned it for 10 years is exactly what would happen. Uh, On middle days, I think that the power of the newsroom will be able to prevent as the worst of it, and we can continue to be a strong paper. Uh, I know that the journalists who make the place run will fight and stick around and do good work for as long as possible, Uh, but we really need help. And I know that uh, Ken Griffin is listening to this and uh, can do his civic duty or some other uh, really wealthy person because, um, you know, people think about Jeff Bezos, but there's a guy – Glenn Taylor, who owns the Minneapolis uh, Star Tribune, who is a billionaire. He's conservative. Uh, he, he, um, he bought the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He owns the Timberwolves. Uh, you know, he hasn't run it in any way that is bad. In fact, uh, it's one of the most successful papers out there. And, um, you know, people, the lefties, which you are part of, and that is not a criticism, were scared of like, oh, Glenn Taylor's buying this paper. Uh, but I think anybody in news would, would understand that Glenn Taylor's a great newspaper owner. Um, you know, it, it, um, you know, it doesn't matter whether uh, a rich person who's on the left or on the right buys the paper, but somebody who cares about Chicago should buy the paper. All right, look, Kenny G is a big listener of my show, uh, and he he had a a lot of money to donate to various political campaigns and a lot of money left over. So come on, Kenny G, kick in, buy the Tribune, save uh, a great institution in Chicago. All right, I know we're out of time because you have another appointment you got to get to, but I I promoted this. So let's just uh, close uh, by uh, telling sort of like like a great war story for uh, Greg Pratt. chided by Lori Lightfoot, and then she had to backtrack and apologize. Take us through this, uh, what went down. Well, the mayor had been mad at me for a little while because I had been reporting on things that she had done that she would prefer that I not report on. Uh, the the less um, uh, flip way of saying that is, you know, I'd done some stories she didn't like. You know, she had done some things and made some promises. They didn't quite work out. She'd 
been upset for a little while, which she alludes to in her comments. The Anjanette Young thing starts to happen. I was the first reporter aside from CBS to write about what a mess that was. Uh, you know, not just not just the raid where they raided a woman's home while she was changing and kept her naked handcuffed for 40 minutes as she told them 43 times, leave me alone, you're in the wrong house. Uh, that's bad. And then the law department went to court to try to prevent the TV station from going public, which is really bad and really stupid. Um, it's astounding that any lawyer thought that was, you know, a good idea, especially for a political organization. Um, you know, your boss needs to get elected. Uh, but, but they did that. And so I understood the seriousness of that. I wrote about it. Uh, I had a lot of questions for the mayor about, you know, why, why exactly did you refuse to give Miss Young her video? And the mayor got really mad and she said, we didn't do that. And then she said, um, that I had been reckless and irresponsible for many months, which is why it's relevant that they had been mad at me for, for a variety of stories. Um, and then she kind of moved on to another subject and immediately every other journalist in town was like, yeah, that's not cool. And by the way, um, CBS to their great credit, um, immediately pointed out that the premise of my question was correct. I mean, I had talked to Young's lawyer, uh, who had told me, yeah, on November 1st, 2019, she requested the video on November 15th. They, they denied it. So I was on strong footing, but the mayor was upset and she, uh, lashed out and then, she called me, which she said publicly, and she said she shouldn't have done that. She apologized. And I, I legitimately accept that. You know, it's not like it's a it's an interesting story. Um, it's part of the job to have the powerful people be mad at you. If they're not mad at you, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, you know, it's not as a. It's a good story. It's not as colorful as the time that uh, Daly offered to put a gun up your buddy's butt and shoot him. I think I, I don't know if he said shoot him, but he the gun was going in the butt. I don't know what, what yeah. he was doing in the butt. But Were you in high school then? I uh, what was it? Two thousand three? No, no, no. It was two thousand six. I always get it. Uh, I want to say, God, time is just flying by mate let's just say 2009 for, for lack of knowing that, that would be like within the ballpark right about in, two, 2009 i want to in say 2009 i would have been in college in 2006 i would have been in high school um not to not to just as a random aside you know you know about i remember um i remember you writing about monique bond at cps being mad at you once and saying that uh and they asked for an in-person meeting with you and you described it as being the first time that it ever happened where, and it felt like being called to the principal's office, which yes. I still remember from reading in, uh, in high school. Wow. Damn, man. I feel old, but I remember that story. I remember that was when I was counting up all the raises. They got mad at me. Because uh, <laughs> I was, they said they, they were cutting salaries, but in fact, everybody got raises uh, yeah, I remember that good memory on your part. I remember they offered me, they, people advised me, when you go downtown, don't drink the coffee they offer you because it could be poison. Uh, but Mayor Daly, I'll say this about Mayor Daly. He never threatened to shoot me uh, and he never called me. I don't know. She didn't call you a liar, but she, I, uh, whatever, uh, Mayor. Reckless and irresponsible. Yeah. Now, you, by the way, you took the high road. Now, this is just me, okay? You took the high road. You took her. You accepted her apology really uh, quickly. It's all no harm, no foul. Let's move on. Uh, I got to give you credit for that one. And I, I think 
I guess that we're supposed to do that. You know, you're not supposed to have a grudge or anything. But I know if it was me, it'd be secretly, I'd be like, God damn that. Well, you know, working through. Go ahead. I respect her. Uh, I've gotten to know her pretty well. I covered her very closely during the campaign. Uh, I respect her. Obviously, I don't appreciate what happened at that uh, press conference. I do appreciate uh, the conversation we had afterward. Uh, the job's not about getting personal. Sometimes they get mad. I get mad. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it shouldn't be happening, you know, uh, in general in that way, but you know, you can't, you can't hold bad feelings. And I, you know, you don't, you, you write stories sometimes and you don't expect a love letter either. It's all part of the job. So, so there's, there's no hard feelings and there's actually a lot of respect there. All right. That's good. Well put, Greg. Uh, and if, if people want to support the union, going back to close where we started, if they want to support uh, journalism uh, and the journalists at the Chicago Tribune, is there a website they go to? Is there any way they can help out? Any information you want to pass out to, to folks who might want to help? We have a page, chicagotribuneguild.com, where we have a support our journalists page so you can uh, share your thoughts. And I think that that's that's a place you know we encourage people to subscribe and we encourage people to let the let the goons know uh how they feel about them all right man just like evan brandt uh let the goons know uh alden global capital man come on guys do the right thing with the chicago tribune greg pratt thank you so much for taking time to talk to me uh stay safe and sound all right thank you all right that's the great greg pratt i'm ben Drowski. take care everybody